0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, November 6, 2019, edition of Invest Talk. And. We had a pretty interesting day in the markets. A lot of news. We're still in the midst of earnings season, even though we're kind of on the back side of it. But there's there's a lot going on, uh, both uh, economically and within individual companies. So a lot of variables at play. I'm Justin Klein. I thank you for joining me today. I hope you will call me with your investing questions. And when and if you make time for that call, I can better help you take that next step in your journey of financial freedom. Now. Our philosophy each and every weekday is of independent thinking and shared success. This is not CNBC. I am not Kramer. I do not have bells and whistles on my desk in front of me. I have two monitors and it includes a lot of information, mainly on companies and the economy. And that's what I'm trying to distill to you is this information that I build up throughout each and every day that I've been doing for 15 plus years. Okay, so our goal each and every day is to impart a little bit more knowledge and perspective, because perspective in a lot of ways in today's world of headlines and sound bites and clips and articles that are designed to simply get clicks as opposed to excite the mind our goal here is to give you a little bit of perspective that's lacking in today's business world so hopefully I can do that for you during this hour and that's our goal each and every weekday on best talk so I want to move you one step closer to whatever goals that you might have and in order to better help you individually I need you to give me a call 888-99-CHART, 888 I didn't know what's on your mind. Maybe it's about an individual stock, of different sector in the market, uh, whether that's commodities or maybe different types of commodities. Maybe it's bonds. Maybe it's just global central banking. Maybe it's just the overall economy, the trade war. So much to discuss on today's show because there's so much more variables in today's globalized world. Now, let me take a few seconds to let you know that if you live anywhere in the New York area, Steve will be out in your neck of the woods tomorrow. I actually flew there today, hence why I'm doing the show today. He'll be conducting no-cost portfolio review consultations. These are one-on-one sit-down meetings. He will explain to you whether you're on track, whether your strategy makes sense based on your goals, look at your overall situation, and whether or not you're making the right decisions in order to reach those goals. He has one or two appointments available over the next two days. I know a couple days ago, on Monday he had two. I don't know if one has uh, one or not has filled up, but I think there's still at least one. So you can act quickly and make your reservation through investtalk.com. Just click on the portfolio review button. Now my main talking point today concerns Chipotle and their comeback, and I think it's a good lesson in investing and uh, crisis management. Right? A lot of large companies have dealt with the problems throughout their history and how they come through and react to it can make or break their success long term. And is a good example of that. So we're going to touch on that stock and how maybe it can keep growing over the long term. Now I've got some interesting things as well that are on my docket, such as buybacks. Buybacks have fueled this rally over the past 10, 11 years, as corporations are finding harder and harder to find places to deploy their cash flow and their earnings, they've spent a lot of it on buybacks and borrowed money in order to buy back shares. So we're going to talk about that and the underlying trend in the market and a nice report from from Goldman also. We all want to reach financial independence, that's why you are here, so I'm gonna give you kind of a a simple plan. Everyone wants simple, so I'm gonna try to lay out a simple plan for you in that sense. And then lastly, we're into, well into the fourth quarter of the year, almost into 2020, right? We're only about, we're less than 10 weeks away from 2020, right? uh, We're like eight weeks or so. And so, you probably want to make some plans for the next year and we there are some changes to your 401k contribution limits that I can get to as well if we have time but ultimately i want to hear from you so give me a call 8899 chart 4278 now the market was down modestly today you had small caps down about 42 basis points 4.42% you had the S&P was I believe actually up slightly. This SPY was up seven cents, so pretty much a flat day there. Uh, the broader index ACWI that was down about four cents, so it was a very modest to uh, to minor down day uh, in the markets. And the big question is: is this breakout for real? Is the breakout for real? And I think we'll we'll know that in the next in the coming few weeks. And I think we'll get a retest of the breakout and. There have been some rebounds or some positive economic figures that have come out globally, especially in Europe, that might indicate that the slowdown is going to start to reaccelerate. And I think we're going to get a an answer either way over the coming couple of months. And you know, this happened back in 2018 where the Fed raised rates Indicated kind of a more hawkish stance going into 2020, and the market revolted. And it took about five days for the market to finally react, but it did after the September, I believe, 26, 2018 rate hike. And now the Fed is kind of doing something similar, saying we're not going to cut anymore. And the big question is, how is the market going to react to that? Sometimes it doesn't react right away; might take a few days. So we'll see where we go from here. Let's go to Will in San Diego looking at. PAA, which I believe is a REIT. It looks to be near an all-time low. Are you looking to buy it, sell it, give it away?
0: I'm looking to buy it because, uh, like what you said, it's at an all-time low. So I'm thinking maybe now is a safe time to buy it.
1: Well, technically, it's definitely not safe. Uh, This is a master limited partnership, and they're engaged in the transportation storage, terminaling, and gathering of assets uh, across america and revenues are down 10% year over year and actually it's not at an all time all time low was 2016 around $14 a share now we're at 1874 so not an all time low but certainly their business prospects don't look very hot even though earnings were up 21% year over year i'm i'm going to look at their cash flow because earnings can be manipulated and and uh, massaged by a lot of accountants. And you saw ne- actually negative free cash flow late last year and we're kind of they had a rebound through the first couple quarters and now you're seeing a, a redux of that drop. So that worries me a little bit. Technically it is in a downtrend. It doesn't look like it's abating anytime soon. They have a good amount of debt on their balance sheet and that worries me a little bit. You know, it's 13 billion dollar market cap and they have about 10 billion dollars in debt. And yeah, that's not Their good. payout ratio is, yeah, it's it's not good. It's certainly a, a high-risk name. So if you're looking for that nice 7.7% dividend to be safe, I don't think this is a safe place to be getting 7.7% yield. But frankly, you're not going to get that anywhere in the marketplace today. You're not going to get 7.7% safe anywhere. So um, if you're willing to take that risk, I mean, valuation-wise, it's not expensive. I would agree with that, but I just don't like that debt overhang as well as the trend in the stock uh, on the chart. I would pass on it because I just don't think it's worth the risk versus reward because I'm not seeing anything technically that's telling me it's going to turn around. So I would pass on PAA, which is Plains All-American Pipeline. Thanks for the call, Will. This is Invest Talk streaming live Monday through Friday in the 4 o'clock Pacific Time hour. Now, you can listen to the show after hours in a condensed podcast as well. It's absolutely free, so you can browse by topics at investtalk.com. And you can also download, rate, and review the Invest Talk podcast at Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. And now I'm taking your finance and investing questions live at 888.99 chart.
2: This is InvestTalk, and helping you achieve your financial freedom is the primary objective. Justin Klein is here now, taking your finance and investing questions live.
1: Call 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, eight eight nine 4278 Let's look at some key benchmarks today. You had oil down a tad to $57 a barrel, oil inventories are rising, and that seems to be a little bit of a problem, rising more than expected, and clearly, it's all about expectations, whether you beat or exceed uh, certain expectations, and clearly, oil inventories are higher than the market had expected, and that's why you're seeing a little downtick now. Uh, let's see. Two-year Treasury yield was at 1.6%, up a little bit. Same with, or sorry, down a little bit after a recent rally. Ten-year Treasury at 1.83. So you're seeing the yield curve steepen a little bit over the past few months, and certainly that is an indicator, or at least the market is pricing in that we're going to see maybe economic activity bump up a little bit here. And the question is, is it going to be sustainable? That is the big question. Is This recent bump up in positive economic data, just a a reversion to the mean, right? Something where every trend has a counter-trend rally. And that's the question the market, I think, is going to answer for us over the next couple months. Is this counter-trend rally sustainable and the Fed movement and central bank movement to a more dovish policy? Is that going to be enough to keep the economic growth Going even though it's still modest, and that's what we're, we're we're looking for. And I think the bond market is going to be a strong tell for that. Gold had a really good day today after a pretty poor day yesterday. Uh, 14.86 an ounce, still kind of consolidating a uh, longer term, or at least in the medium term, after a overbought situation in the summer months. Bitcoin at 9,335 per coin. Kind of consolidating after a nice move higher last month, and I think we're in a longer-term fight here. Uh, clearly, central banks globally have boxed themselves into a corner, and the whole system that they have created of suppressing rates and financial suppression, or repression, excuse me, that has created a divide between the rich and the poor that's that's just getting bigger I don't think that system is going to last for another 30, 40 years. I think there will be some sort of change. And is that going to a gold standard? Is that going to something like Bitcoin? I'm not sure yet. But it is something to understand and consider and watch. Because I think it's going to be one of those things, like culturally, where think of civil rights in the 50s. Right. There was a big divide between certain people who still thought you should have segregation, etc. And slowly and slowly, it became more popular to have more integration. And then it just became the norm. Suddenly it came the norm. And I think that's what will eventually happen with uh, maybe a gold standard or Bitcoin. I think it's going to be kind of years and years and years of trending towards a certain way. And suddenly that'll be the accepted medium. Uh, of exchange and accepted reality of how money is used within our economy. So I really think that's something to examine long term and really, really monitor because, and I'll keep you abreast of what I'm seeing, kind of how that uh, cultural zeitgeist evolves over time and it's definitely something that needs to be watched. Now you're listening to Talk. I'm Justin Klein and no one's ever been able to reliably predict market movements. And if you're serious about achieving financial freedom, you need to make sure that you have a strategy that makes sense for your ability to handle volatility because there's always going to be volatility. So you can sit down with myself or Steve and do a portfolio review consultation to make sure that you are within your bounds of your particular risk tolerance. So Steve can do that in New York City over the next couple of days or we can do it over the phone or an office. Just give us a call at 888-99-CHART.
2: This is Invest Talk. Are you doing everything possible to make sure that your investments are performing as well as they should be? Well, there's a treasure trove of wealth-building information freely accessible right now at InvestTalk.com. You'll find investment strategies and unbiased guidance. The phone lines are open. Justin's here, and he's ready for your questions. Call 888-99-CHART.
3: Hi, Stephen, Justin. Just wanted to say thank you for your great input on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm a first-time investor, and I'm looking at an ETF, Vanguard S&P 500, VOO. And I just wanted to get you guys' input on it to see if that's um, a good place to start uh, here on the, on the podcast. Thank you.
1: Well if you're looking for a good place to start then I would say yes this is a good place. It's VOO it's just the S&P 500 Vanguard's version of the S&P index fund and if you're looking to index and that's all you want to do and you want to just kind of gain exposure to kind of how the market works and dividends and 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 trends of the market then this is this is a fine place to start your equity exposure. Now it's at a time where things are frothy, and uh, especially large cap names are very frothy. And there's the indexing craze, and I would call it in in some ways an indexing bubble. I do think there will be a reckoning at some point in the relatively near future in regards to all those people who are just indexing you really don't understand the risks of the market. Uh, and you're going to be caught up in that if you invest in VOO. But if you are looking to consistently make dollar cost average, shall you say, into a particular type of ETF and you're not worried about uh, the the short to medium term changes in the marketplace because of economic trends or geopolitical trends or technology trends, then you're going to get a pretty broad, diversified set of businesses, although at expensive prices today, but you're still getting exposure long-term if you continue to allocate to it and under, and handle the volatility. Because this is a type of, Nick could 80%. It's happened before. Equity markets can do that. Not to say that's going to happen or predicting that's going to happen, but those are the type of levels of volatility you should be ready for if you're investing in an ETF or an index fund, especially that is all equities, okay? So understand the level of risk that you have there and it's low cost and broad instant diversification is what you're getting at expensive prices today. Now my main talking point today concerns the market, market news about Chipotle and the stock's up pretty nicely this year after a tough few years. Obviously they had their issues with salmonella poisoning and a lot of their, their patients, or not patients, customers got sick after eating their food and they instituted some protocols to reduce the potential for that happening again especially across multiple locations that was ha- that's what was happening as multiple locations dozens of locations were having this problem customers getting sick and certainly that affected the brand and their 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 business suffered uh, accordingly if you go back to early or late late 2017 you had revenue only growing about 7%, which is still pretty good, but that was a sharp slowdown from years and years of strong double-digit growth. And now we're kind of back to it. Last quarter, revenue grew 15%. Earnings were up 77%. So the 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 reaction by leadership, by their C-suite, clearly made sense. It, it was a smart move on their part. And the stock has rebounded accordingly, and it just shows you how important that C-suite is, especially during times of crisis. You need to have good leadership that that reacts in the proper way, not in a rash way, not in a way that uh, skirts themselves or gets themselves out of responsibility, right? They take onus, and they make the changes that are necessary to revive their brand and that's what Chipotle has done. Now they can certainly expand and, and internationally and that's really their their next uh, their next phase. But it's a company that has gone up a lot and it's pretty expensive, but it just shows you how how important reacting to crises is for corporations. Think of Johnson and Johnson. I think they had this is back in the 80s. They had compromised bottles of Tylenol, bottles of Tylenol. It only affected a small number of bottles of Tylenol. But what did they do? They took every single Tylenol bottle off the shelf and shipped all brand new ones so that nobody worried about whether they were taking a tainted aspirin or a tainted Tylenol, and it really did a lot for their brand. Their brand could have gone one way or the other, and although that cost them probably billions of dollars in in inventory to recall all those products. It was clearly a strong move in the long term and that's why it's very important for consumer facing brands to put their customers first and when you react to a crisis like that, you can do wonders for your brand. And I think Chipotle is definitely under good management. Once again, got to focus on management when you're investing in companies. Now, on the next Invest Talk, Netflix shares have surged 2,300% since the turn of the century in 2000. But the top surge performer did even better. We're going to talk about that. What was the top performer? That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein and I'm ready to take your questions at 888.99 chart.
2: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where principals and Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking with shared success. This is InvestTalk. Steve Peasley's New York City consultation trip is set for tomorrow. Yes, Steve Peasley will be sitting down with listeners to help them maximize the performance of their portfolios. Steve's personalized consultations are offered at no cost and with no obligation. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Stephen Justin, welcome your investing questions. Call eight 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 ninety nine chart.
3: Hey Stephen Justin, uh, this is Jeff in Louisville, Kentucky. Love the show. Just wanted to get your thoughts on bonds. I'm forty. Been investing since my early twenties, and I've usually subscribed to you know what people have talked about the Boglehead three fund portfolio. But really, I've just been focused on two parts of that over the years with the U.S. equities and then the non-U.S. equities funds, which obviously has done well with the bond market. And I'm pretty aggressive. And I was just curious, would it be smart to buy a total bond fund at this moment of my life at 40 years old? I intend on probably retiring at 65. I'm in really good health. I have a lot of time to devote to working to maximize earnings potential, but overall, just wanted to get your opinion on if you're a passive investor, buy and hold investor, what age do you think would be appropriate to start acquiring exposure to bonds if you are a, you know, an index investor with US and non-US equities to include in your portfolio. I appreciate the, the answer, loved your show once more, have a great day.
1: Alright, great question. Now, the standard answer is gonna say, well you a 100 minus your age and that should be your equity exposure, so at 40 you should be 60% in stocks and 40% in bonds. That's what the standard answer is. Now, in today's world, I think you definitely need to have some Gold exposure, uh, it, it's, I think it's, we're in a secular long-term bull market in gold. I think you have to have that almost at any age, at some percentage, 2 3% minimum of a portfolio. Now, bonds, I, I think you—you—it's with interest rates so low historically, this isn't a great time long-term to be investing in bonds, but you do want to start thinking a little bit more at 40 now about the stability of your portfolio. It's not saying you drastically allocate into bonds, but it's definitely a time when 10% allocation of your portfolio into bonds is not a bad way to go. Now, I wouldn't invest in treasuries or anything like that. Maybe it's an index that has some, but I would try to invest in something that's more corporate heavy, even though this isn't a great time for corporate bonds, but I think long-term, you want to be increasing your exposure. In intermediate corporate bonds, that tends to be a very good place longer term to have exposure to uh, the bond market overall. I would stick with higher grade corporate bonds over lower grade, especially now, but that's the way I would gain exposure to the bond market. Not necessarily treasuries, you're not going to get much yield off of that today, but I think long term, a diversified portfolio of corporate bonds is a smart Strategy, and it doesn't need to be a big percentage—five, ten percent of your portfolio now, and slowly increase that over time. Thanks for the call. Good question. Now, over the past dozen years or so, since the financial crisis, corporations have been taking advantage of bad money printing, easy monetary policy, low interest rates, and fairly good profit picture to buy back stocks and. When I say stocks, I mean their own stock. So corporations are on pace to provide $480 billion in stock buybacks this year. Now that's more demand for equities than any other source for 2019. The Russell 3000 companies have announced $795 billion in share repurchase authorization for next year, but that's a decline Sorry, this year. And that's a decline from roughly $900 billion authorized last year. So the, they've authorized a little bit less even though, um, and, and their overall stock buybacks are down a little bit. And the main driver is, is trade war concerns. They the, the headwind with the trade war certainly is talked about the most on why corporations are maybe not buying back as many shares as they have been. And Goldman's actually predicting that share repurchase authorization will fall another 5% in 2020. And the main reason is because that over 100% of S&P 500 free cash flow has been paid out in the form of either dividends or buybacks. And that's the first time that's happened since, guess when? 2007. When did that happen before that? 1998, 99. So those are clearly near market peaks. And it just shows you that a big driver of the rally this year has been corporate buybacks. Like I said, most of the cash flows in the market, going into the market right now, so far this year, has been from corporate buybacks. And earnings per share for U.S. companies are expected now on pace to decline about 0.7% for the third quarter. But overall net income is down 2.9 percent, and in the fourth quarter, while earnings per share is expected to rise 0.8 percent, net income overall is down, is expected to be down 1.5 percent. So what that's telling you is that the stock buybacks are tweaking, and they're giving a false indication of what the corporate profit picture actually is. Like I said, net income, net income, actual dollar amount of profits is down 2.9%. You understand You understand why that is? It's because their share count is lower. So their overall profit level is divided by a lower number of shares. Therefore, their decline in profits doesn't look quite as bad. So companies aren't making any more money than they did in 2018, even though the overall earnings per share picture for the whole year is higher but the net income picture is actually lower, and execution of share buybacks is actually falling, even more than the authorizations are indicating. But just because you authorize or the co- or the company authorizes the CFO or you know the C-suite to buy back shares doesn't mean they actually will go out and do it. Share repurchase volume fell in the second quarter by 19.5% year over year. Does does this mean that buybacks are going away? No. I, I think that the slowing economy, the even the political backlash, even though there is a lot of political backlash on share buybacks, I think that's only going to increase, especially if you see a Democrat in the White House. Companies are still going to buy back shares and pay dividends because There's no tax consequence to paying or to buying back shares compared to a dividend, right? So that's why companies tend to like to buy back shares. It makes their job easier, CFOs, CEOs, job easier to show earnings per share is rising. Even though their business performance overall isn't better, it's just borrowing money or using cash flow to buy back shares, which is kind of distorting the earnings per share picture overall. Hope that gives you a good picture of what's happening with buybacks and how it's affecting the mar- market. 8899 chart, 888-992-4278. We have about 15 minutes left in the show, so if you're going to call, do it sooner rather than later. Let's grab another caller question that came in earlier at 88899 chart.
3: Hi guys, Lee from North Carolina.
1: I'm calling today about Tesla. I a few months
3: back when Tesla dipped below 200 a share, I did jump in and start buying some shares. Uh my Call Spaces is uh, below $200 a share. I'm a regular listener of the show, so I know both of you guys uh, have a bearish outlook on Tesla long-term. But I was just curious, with the recent quarter showing a profit, and they've now been profitable three out of the last five quarters, are you changing your opinion about Tesla at all long-term? And if you're not, uh, what would you need to see from Tesla to change your mind about their outlook for the long-term? Look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Thanks.
1: Well, first off, there, while well, like I've said before, earnings can be manipulated in a lot of ways by a lot of different companies. I just talked about the manipulation of companies in general buying back shares to boost their earnings per share overall. Now, accountants can do that to changing dis- depreciation schedules. One example of why they're quote unquote profitable last quarter was because of. The, the auto and was it auto summons I think they rolled out which was still in beta form and didn't doesn't work that well um, but they use that to uh, show profit, more profit because they rolled that out right um, so there's little manipulations that they can do and that they have done and what I would need to see is first off better cash flow levels yes You can manipulate profits, but cash flows are continue to be relatively weak. And if you look at revenues, were down eight percent, and they were down well in the double digits domestically. Only foreign kind of helped them a little bit. Uh, Earnings were down thirty six percent. I know you said they made a profit, but you know it's always all over the place. It's it's a story stock, and it continues to be so as long as Elon still gets this moniker as a great innovator and a great businessman which he's not Uh, and the only reason they raised money and avoided bankruptcy this year is because they promised a million robo taxis on the road in 2020 which clearly is not going to happen so no this has not changed my view on Tesla at all Um, their business is maturing uh, which certainly that they're able to squeeze a little more efficiencies out of their business but that hasn't been to a level to me that shows that this is in any way sustainable, especially since their growth is now negative year over year. So it's a great opportunity to reshort the stock, and we shorted for clients a couple of years ago around 360. So we're still in the in the green on that. But uh, I think this is another fantastic opportunity to short it uh, if you can borrow it. Some places it's hard to borrow. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and obviously you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experience analysis. That's why. I urge you to subscribe to our premium newsletter. It comes out every single Friday to your email box. You get market perspective, portfolio management guidance, stock ideas, personal finance tips as well. And you can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART.
2: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. If, to any degree, you are unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions. 888-99-CHART.
3: Hi, this is Jason from Memphis. Uh, I'm calling about TK Tankers, symbol TNK. Uh, bought it a couple of years ago. It then sank like a stone and has since made a huge run up where I am back to even. I'm wondering if I should hold on to it or just dump the whole thing. we will listen for my answer on the podcast. Thanks, guys.
1: All right, this is TK Tankers, and this has sunk from a high back in 2015 of around $7 a share, $6, actually about $8 a share. Sunk to about a dollar for most of 2018 and 19, and now it's ticked up to $2 a share Revenue up 18%. They lost five cents a share last quarter, and profits are kind of all over the place. When I'm, you know, a lot of times people buy businesses at the wrong time. And I understand the psychological mind game that people play with themselves and say, Oh, I'll wait till I get back even. Well, now that you're even, you have, you can throw out that human nature, and focus on the business and whether the business makes sense long-term and is profitable long-term. So I look at return on assets, for example, and basically this is a name that fluctuates between positive and negative, and even when it's positive, it's only positive in the low teens on return on assets. So it's all over the place. It has a good amount of debt. It's a very cyclical name. It just started to roll over, actually, from high about two thirty all the way to dollar ninety-five. So it's already down about twenty percent. But I still find this as an opportunity to get out. It's not a sustainable business long-term. It's very choppy when it comes to cash flows and profitability, and I don't like to own businesses like that. So I would absolutely take this chance to get out and move on into a company that has sustainable business, sustainable cash flows, to sustainable profits. Now let's, let's get to kind of the broader picture of financial independence. And you can call it retirement, we call it uh, financial independence, some other. Call it just getting out of the rat race. And the whole goal is to not have to work for a paycheck. And so what I'm gonna do after the break is I'm gonna break this down into simple economic concepts. And it comes down to labor, land, and capital. Labor, land, and capital. Almost everybody works, labor, in order to get something. And that typically are land and capital. And land and capital can sustain you longer term. And I'm gonna break down this concept after the break. And maybe it will help you, in particular, make better financial decisions so, you can classify every decision in one category and simplify your path. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. And we're going into our last break. So, if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888 99 chart. This
2: is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley's New York City consultation trip is set for tomorrow. Yes, Steve Peasley will be sitting down with listeners to help them maximize the performance of their portfolios. Steve's personalized consultations are offered at no cost and with no obligation. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your investing questions. Call 888-99-CHART.
1: Hi,
3: this is John from Idaho. With uh, markets closing at all-time highs yesterday, do you think we're going to have a little bit of a run here to close out the year? And then also, what things globally do we need to be kind of paying attention to or concerned about that could cause maybe another pullback in the market? Look forward to your answer and love the show. Thanks for everything you do.
1: Do I think there's going to be a rally into the yeah, end And well, we've already had a pretty strong rally this year and... But the last six weeks tend to be pretty bullish overall. So I don't know. I, 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 I'm just waiting to see what the market is going to tell me. If we're going to get a retest and hold, or are we going to fail? Uh, and I really can't. I don't have an answer. I wish I had an answer for you. It dumps found me, dumbfounds me that the market is uh, at new highs, but it doesn't shock me, uh, right? Because the Fed did pivot, and the market loves uh, dovish central banks. So it does not shock me. It would not shock me. Either way. So I don't have an answer for you. Now, uh, globally, you want to see the PMIs start to, that have recently ticked up to continue to do so. That this is not just a one off blip. Uh, that's what I would be looking for uh, uh, globally. And the trade war, whether the trade war gets resolved, which I continue to think it does not, and it's just more huff, bluster from both sides of the our administration as well as China. Now before the break I talked about land, labor and capital. And that's what we learn about in economics. I was an economics minor in college and there are that's three ways to produce income. Right? Land, labor, and capital. And if you want to stop the laboring part, you need to own land or capital. Now, land can create income streams of some kind, right? You're renting property, you're mining the resources off the land, right? Capital is all that other stuff that you can either use, uh, put you can, you can rent out to other people, you can put it to work yourself, right? That's what owning a business is, that's capital. It's physical capital, there's intellectual capital, so the value of any assets that you have based on maybe protected rights. I right? think of copyrights. There's obviously financial capital, that's money itself or financial assets. Now, when you're earning income, you need to allocate that money to expenses. And you have to look at it in three ways, past, present, and future. Past is obviously allocating it to debt. Present is allocating to current needs. And future is putting that money towards land or capital. So when you're directing your income to the future, then you need to be putting it slowly and building it over time, building up the income potential of that land and capital. And there's many ways to do it. A lot of people swear on land and real estate, and that could be your path. Others love investing in businesses and owning businesses and dividends that come from those businesses, both public and private. So when you're thinking about how you allocate your income, think about it in this way and it simplifies. The formula simplifies the algorithm that will get you towards your path and your goals. So the point of investing is to store up land and capital that will provide you with some sustainable income over time. And so how do you do that? First is you limit what you need to allocate to the past, which is borrowing. So limit how much debt you build up. Next. Live simply. Limit the amount that you need to allocate towards the present. And future is about investing in both that land and capital. So even when you're addressing things like current expenses, like maybe buying a home, you can even think about... Renting out rooms, or buying a house with a duplex in the back and renting that out, and that's part of the future. So you can mix present and future as well. So your goal overall is to achieve financial independence through allocating your savings into land and capital. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve is in New York meeting with listeners, so I will return here tomorrow. And please remember, you have free access to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Good night. Because
0: of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.